ダラッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタ
Amazing. We definitely want to talk to you about your sewing and living abroad. You mentioned your blog. Can you tell our listeners what it's called? It is Cooking and Crafting. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great name for a blog, but I've always thought that it should be called like sewing and sewing and more sewing. <laughs> yeah, where's the cooking? <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. I mean, that kind of gets to sort of like, where did my blog come from? And you know, what the story is there. And Oh, this blog's been around for a long time. Um, so way back in 2008, when I was living in Washington, D.C., I was going to law school at night while working full time during the day. And then when I finished law school, I was, you know, just working and I used air quotes there. I found myself with what at the time seemed like just sort of endless amounts of of time to fill because I didn't have to study anymore. So at that point, I I dove back into my hobbies that I'd neglected while I was in law school, like cooking and jewelry making and things like sewing. And I kind of started a blog in 2009 to share recipes and craft projects and ideas, mostly with my family, who I thought would kind of like participate in the blogging process because they were into that kind of creative stuff. But you know, it turns out I'm the only one who just likes to, you know, obsessively get into lurid detail about how crafting projects go, you know, and eventually once I discovered garment sewing, the cooking and the other things kind of fell to the to the wayside. And now, as you can tell, it's like exclusively garment sewing with maybe like one knitting post a year. <laughs> <laughs> tell us a little bit more about your garment sewing journey and kind of how you got into sewing in the first place. Yeah, so... Uh, growing up, you know, there was always sewing and, and other crafting going on around me. I mean, my mom has been a garment sewist since she was a kid, and she kept that going throughout my whole childhood, you know, up to the present day. You, you might have seen her, like, on my blog or Instagram, and she sews sometimes for me and for herself, and sometimes I sew for her. But, you know, as a kid, she also did other crafts, like knitting and quilting and macrame. And um, she also, for a a time like 10 years, I think, ran a sort of the manufacturing side of a small decorative flag company. So like, like these kind of seasonal flags that you would hang outside of your house, you know, for Christmas or Thanksgiving or other holidays. And so our, our house, specifically our basement, was always full of like massive rolls of fabric and patterns and sewing machines and other paraphernalia, including an enormous counter height cutting table with a fabric roll holder that makes me so jealous to this day. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the sewing and crafting was all around me, but I, I was like, not really into it when I was a kid. Um, you know, I made like the odd pillow or pajama pant with my mom here and there, but I didn't really have the patience to sit down and sort of figure it all out until I moved abroad. And that's really when I got into sewing and specifically garment sewing. And what was it about moving abroad that triggered you to dive more into sewing? Yeah, so so we moved um, from Washington, D.C. to Jakarta, Indonesia back in 2011 for my husband's job. And I wasn't working at the time because it's a little bit hard to find work sort of as this trailing spouse, I guess. And I was a little bit lonely. I was, you know, experiencing some culture shock and frankly, you know, like, I'm a big girl. None of the clothes there fit me. So I, I had the sewing machine that I'd had and was kind of feeling a little bit inspired by all of the Indonesian batik and ikat fabrics that I saw around town. 
in Jakarta. And this was like about the same time that PDF patterns were also starting to come out, which were like a huge deal for me because I couldn't really get paper patterns or mail at all really in Jakarta. So PDF patterns were like really convenient and kind of launched my interest in garment sewing. And I don't know, I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole of of downloading these patterns and printing them out and, you know, following them, the instructions and the sew alongs and blog posts and things that were associated with them. So, you know, I think some of my first projects when I was living in Jakarta were um, Grain Line Scout Tea and the Colette Sorbetto Top. Uh, both of which I made out of like these gorgeous hand-woven ECOT fabrics and stuff that in retrospect, I'm like, what was I, I had no idea what I was doing and I'm just jumping in with these like amazing fabrics, but you know, beginners. <laughs> <laughs> and did you get any reaction from locals or fabric store owners in your area living abroad when you would wear these fabrics and make stuff with these fabrics? Um. I wouldn't say like in the fabric stores, but I think definitely other folks that we interacted with were like in in Jakarta in particular, like people were like super jazzed. They were like, Oh my God, you're wearing batik. That's so cool. Like, um, and people, you know, wore these traditional fabrics there all the time, you know, kind of mixed in with their sort of everyday kind of modern clothing. They, and they would make modern clothing out of the batik and e-cut fabrics. So it was pretty cool. And people were, were really receptive, you know, to me making stuff and, out of out of their traditional fabrics and wearing it. So that was awesome. That is so cool. I have to thank you because when I went to Bangkok a couple of years ago, I used your blog post where you detailed how to shop for fabric and uh, how to go on Sampang Lane and which shops to go to. And it was so helpful. And even though the post was a little bit old, I think a lot of those (laughs) shops are still there. And it was really amazing. I got to follow along with all your pictures. I was like, this is the linen one that Meg was talking about. I would go in and it was just super, super fun. So thank you for that. And if anyone else needs Bangkok shopping advice, (laughs) check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of put together that post because I was like, well, someone will find this useful. And it was I was kind of putting it together from the perspective of walking through Bangkok's, you know, fabric district for someone who doesn't speak or read Thai, which I didn't, you know, so kind of trying to just take a picture of like, you know, what does the sign look like in front of the store and then dropping a pin on Google Maps where it was and stuff like that, just to, you know, make it a little more accessible to people who are in town in Bangkok, because, you know, a lot of folks around the world end up coming through Bangkok, either on business or vacation travel. So, um, you know, so it's, they're always going to want to find the, the fabric area. <laughs> so did you move to Thailand right after Indonesia or did you live anywhere else abroad in between there? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I kind of jumped, jumped along there. Yeah, I moved from Jakarta to Bangkok in 2013. Mm-hmm. I remember that's when I would have started following you because when I started following you, you were living in Bangkok. And I, I recall you sharing a lot of resources and fun guides on your blog. So I love that that's a reference for people. And, and we'll definitely link that in the show notes. Another thing that you share a lot about on your blog is pattern testing. And we're super excited to chat with you about that. You pattern test for many designers and your blog is such a great resource for checking out new patterns because of that. So um, yeah, I think we should get into pattern testing a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so first off, (laughs) maybe tell us how you got involved in pattern testing in the first place. How did you get from just like sewing as a hobby at home to becoming a pattern tester? Oh man, I 
was kind of thinking back in preparation for, you know, for this recording, like when, what was my first pattern test? And I went back through my blog and I found that my first pattern test was the um, True Vias Hudson pants. And I was thinking of how I signed up for, for doing that pattern test. And I think that I had just been following Kelly's blog, you know, and I loved her style. I loved her hair as everyone does. Um, <laughs> and she just posted, you know, she, she, she put a blog post up saying, Hey, I'm looking for, for pattern testers for this new pattern. I'm thinking of releasing. And I just, you know, signed up and there, there we went. I, you know, we may have commented back and forth on each other's blogs a couple of times, but I didn't, you know, know her or anything. Caroline was just looking excited because she was in that test too. I think. Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> a small world. I think that was my first pattern test too. I haven't definitely have not done as much pattern testing as you. I've only tested a few patterns, but that was my first one, and it was similar. I I was following Kelly, and I just loved her, and I loved her style. When she was looking for testers, I was like, pick me. um so what was that experience like for you as a new pattern tester were you nervous getting into it were you kind of like unsure tell us what that was like I guess I was a little bit nervous um honestly because I'd never done it I didn't really know what to expect but I knew that I loved sewing I knew that I loved you know patterns and trying new patterns and the nerdy lawyer in me also loves editing and you know, constructive criticism. So I, <laughs> I figured that I had the sort of pieces that would set me up for success in this world. You know, I, I guess I was maybe a little bit nervous, like, well, I don't know anything about pattern drafting or anything like that. But, you know, I, I don't think that being a pattern tester necessarily requires that in retrospect. Yeah, I just kind of jumped into it. Honestly, I don't think I thought about it that much. <laughs> I was like, this sounds like fun. Let's do it. <laughs> it is great when you have those testers that are very detail oriented and can get out the red pen and, and go through the whole pattern. But everyone brings something unique to the table, I find. And you don't have to be super well versed in pattern drafting or sewing or editing and all of those things. You can just have the one thing that you bring to the table. And that's what's so great about pattern testing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Helen, you probably know from your pattern testing, but I imagine that it's good to have kind of people across the spectrum, like people who are super super knowledgeable and people who are total beginners because ultimately those are the people that are going to be using the patterns, right? Is the whole sort of, you know, spectrum of, of skill levels and backgrounds and things like that. So that's kind of, you know, it's all about the user experience and that's kind of, I guess, where I'm coming from when I, when I do these things, I'm not the expert, but I'm a, I'm an expert at using patterns in the sense that I sew a lot. (laughs) (laughs) How many patterns do you think you have tested over the years? Is there like a number that comes to mind? Oh, boy. I I did another page through the blog thinking about this one. And I was like, I think I've blogged at least like 50 patterns that I've tested. But I know there's a ton that I haven't blogged to because, you know, it's pattern testing. So sometimes you end up with a garment that it's not wearable and you're not going to take a photo of it because it's a test, right? It, it may be that there, something's gone wrong during the pattern testing process or something needs to be tweaked or maybe it just wasn't your style or, I don't know, she chose the, the wrong fabric or something like that. So, you know, I think there's definitely several pattern tests that I haven't posted on my blog. So, I don't know, maybe another 20 or something like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I'm imagining that 
perhaps some of our listeners might not even know what pattern testing is exactly. So maybe let's go through quickly kind of what that process looks like from the perspective of an actual pattern tester. So my first question would be, how long does it generally take to test a pattern? I think that depends on the designer and sort of what their deadlines are and and how they set all those deadlines. I can't say that I know, but you know, they've probably got some internal deadlines that they've set for themselves as far as releasing their next pattern, but it can be anywhere from a a few days, like five days or something up to two or three weeks. Um, And, and, you know, sometimes the designer may give the pattern testers more time if it's a more complex pattern with more pattern pieces or, or if, the fabric or the the notions are really hard to source. Yeah, it kind of depends. I personally tend to only accept pattern tests that give me a little bit of elbow room, you know, because, you know, I work full time and I'd like to have a weekend or preferably two to work on a pattern test. So um, I know there are some designers that that tend to do really short timelines and, you know, that may work for some folks. It doesn't work for me. So I try, I tend not to go for those pattern tests. Yeah, I think two weekends is really nice. And I like that you mentioned getting supplies and notions, because it is an important part of the process, picking the right fabric. And in order to do a good job at the test, having that time ahead of time to prepare (laughs) with the notions and the fabric is pretty important for the testers, I think. Yeah, definitely. So what are you expected to do in a pattern test? What exactly is the exchange that's happening? Yeah, so the Pattern tester is basically there to provide feedback on the garment, you know, fit-wise, style-wise, the pattern itself, you know, do the notches line up, do the pieces fit together correctly, are there, you know, missing markings or wording on the, on the pattern itself, and then the instructions, like, are, do the construction methods make sense, are there typos in there, are there sort of missing instructions, um, just kind of like, the, the usability of the, the pattern as a whole, both both the physical um, pattern itself and the instructions. Yeah, it's really cool to get feedback from people about both of those things. And I was saying to Caroline that there's almost always one or two steps in the instructions that I think make perfect sense, but then like the entire tester group is confused by them. And that's (laughs) so valuable because thank goodness the pattern doesn't get released with that confusing step in it. And we can work together to make that step more clear. (laughs) And it's always just so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like I'll read through and, and there's no, I don't have any sort of comments on on the construction process or the way things are worded and it's really just typos. Whereas other times I'm like, uh, I'm not sure what you were going for, but this is the way I did it. Is that what you were, you know, was that the aim or was that correct? Um, and it's sort of a conversation back and forth on like what might be the easiest method because, you know, it really depends on the designer too. Like some are coming from kind of a production design, you know, background and, and some, I don't know, I guess all designers are coming from a different perspective. And so the construction techniques may be different. And there may be one that's better for home sewers versus, you know, like garment production setting or things like that. I don't, I don't know, you know, and sometimes it's literally just like, does this make sense? Or is this understandable? Like you said, Helen? Yeah, it is so interesting to see all of the different construction methods that can result in the same 
you know, final product. I'm thinking of like a front fly and how there's like a dozen different ways that you can do a front fly on a jean. And I've seen many different construction methods in pattern instructions. And I always kind of wonder, hmm, like, why did this designer come down on this particular method? Maybe it's from their own industry experience or from feedback from testers or just something that they think is, you know, the easiest way to approach it. But it must be interesting to kind of see how different designers decide to lay out instructions and how you would then go and say, oh, I think this might be better. And then also see, you know, whether or not they take your feedback. It's all, it's such a cool experience to be a part of. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, when I'm giving feedback, I'm saying, well, this is my preferred method. I'm, I'm not trying to say like, this is right or wrong. I'm just saying, I like this method, or I like saying it this way, it's clear to me. And, you know, the designer may or may not take the feedback. But, you know, I prefer when they at least give me they give me feedback on my feedback? They they let me know sort of, you know, which edits they've taken and which they haven't and sort of the reasons why. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's kind of a valuable back and forth between um, pattern designers and their testers, just to kind of respect the input that the testers are giving and vice versa, you know, like they may have, the designer may have a preference of why they chose that that way. And, you know, that's their prerogative. Like you said, like one method may work for, half the folks and not the other half. And it's hard to say. Yeah, I'm curious if in your experience, there is open communication between the testers and the designers. And if not, do you think that there's some way that that communication channel could be improved? I think that really depends on the designer. I've tend to test for designers who are pretty open with their testers about the changes that they've made to the pattern and sort of like, the testing process, but the process itself also depends on the designer in the sense that like some of them run this kind of very transparent process where it's like a Facebook group or something like that, where all of the testers are chatting together throughout the test going, Hey, I had this issue with the pattern. Did you also have this issue with the pattern? And, and the designers in there too, kind of giving feedback. Um, Whereas some of them are, you know, the designer sends the pattern to the testers via email and it's all conducted sort of individually via email and and the testers aren't interacting with each other, although they might be interacting with the designer. So it really kind of depends. But, you know, like I said, my my personal preference is that I, I get at least a little bit of feedback from the designer being like, oh, thanks for your edits. You know, I took this one that was really helpful. This one, I decided to, you know, use this approach instead of what you recommended for the following reasons. You know, just kind of an, an open and collaborative relationship, I think is is nice to have. Yeah, I think we would agree that it's important to have that communication where the designer is acknowledging your feedback and kind of addressing it, whether or not they're taking it and then implementing it in their design. This episode is brought to you by Kinship Handwork. Tina has been a garment sewist for over a dozen years, and she lives to help sewists make clothes that they love so they feel beautiful, strong, engaged, and powerful. 
Handwork affords connection in our lives, connection to our bodies and passions, connection to our community and ancestors, and connection to our sense of place. That's why Tina decided to create Kinship Handwork, offering online classes and annual retreats for garment makers on the gorgeous Mackinac Island in northern Michigan. <gasps> it's like a sleepaway camp for grown-ups. I want to go. Starting March 8th, Kinship will also be launching a three-month make-it-your-own project online. Each month, participants will receive a basic knit pattern and then they spend the month learning to fit it to their body and alter it for a new look with block printing and dyeing. There will be how-to videos, a private Facebook group, monthly prizes, and even the option to be partnered with a new friend to encourage you along. I love that idea. Normally $30. Love to Sew listeners can join in for half price by going to kinshiphandwork.com slash love to sew. That's kinshiphandwork.com slash love to sew. But I do feel like we have this kind of unique opportunity to chat with you because you've tested so many patterns for a lot of different designers. So we kind of get to have this like peek behind the curtain in the pattern testing world. (laughs) And I wonder if you could speak to any maybe particularly unique pattern testing experiences or particularly positive pattern testing experiences that you've had and give us some like specific examples of, you know, some of your favorite experiences pattern testing. I don't know. I mean, they're all pretty fun. I think they can definitely, like I said, be a little more interactive if there's like this Facebook group or some other sort of forum where the pattern testers can interact. I think that um, people can bounce ideas off of each other and it can be a really interesting process that's enjoyable for the testers, but, you know, also gives the designer a lot of feedback too. I don't know if I have like a specific pattern, pattern testing experience that was really unique i mean i can say the one that i think that was the most exciting (laughs) i think back when i was testing for um well i still test for cashmerette and i think you know when i was testing her um appleton wrap dress her first release i just remember thinking like oh this dress like this is going to be huge right because she was she was launching this pattern company aimed at the plus size market which was you know so so underserved at the time. I mean, obviously it's still underserved, but getting better. But like at the time it just felt like, oh, this is going to be a big deal. Like I'm so excited to be part of this. I'm so excited to be, you know, providing feedback on this, on this pattern. That's going to just going to be kind of a a bomb in the sewing community um, and in a positive way, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is so much fun in the tester group when you get to see other people posting the make. And a lot of times there's a lot of excitement because it's the first time that people are really seeing it other than maybe a line drawing or the designer's initial versions of the pattern. So seeing it on all these different bodies, everyone's starting to get excited. And that's why I personally like having the Facebook group because it does feel like a little micro community. And we wanted to ask you about those other elements or I guess benefits of pattern testing like, for example, being a part of a smaller community like that, do you find that to be a reason why you enjoy the process? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, that that process, when you can kind of interact with the other pattern testers, and some, you know, some of whom you know from, from interacting with them in, in Instagram and Facebook and other places, but, you know, some of whom you may not have met before, you're not aware of their work, and, and to see their kind of feedback on the tests and um, I think it can be, you know, I, I learn a lot from pattern tests and, and obviously get to meet a lot of people too, sort of via the internet, of course. But, you know, I think the community aspect is, is, is pretty fun. 
you know, I do think one of the one of the critiques of kind of the way pattern tests run um, is that there can be kind of a sense from people that pattern testers are like some sort of click, you know, that they're it's kind of um, a selected group, and you know. I think once upon a time that may have been the case, but certainly, especially as, you know, more pattern companies are expanding their size ranges and things like that. And and there are just more pattern companies out there generally doing pattern testing that that the sort of community has widened in, in a positive way in the sense that more people are testing, more variety of bodies and levels of sewing. And, and it's, you know, it's expanding and, you know, expanding your community is obviously always good. So yeah, absolutely. I have seen that feedback about pattern testing being a little bit clicky. And I think it has improved over the years. But I wonder if we could speak to that a little bit. And whether you have any advice for any of our listeners who might be interested in getting involved with pattern testing? Like, I wonder, did you reach out to a lot of different designers that you liked? Or did you just wait for those pattern testing calls? Like, what would you recommend? Mostly, I just follow the designers that I like and I kind of keep an eye on their blogs and social media feeds and, and newsletters and sort of any way that they, they put out information to the world and look out for tester calls. Cause I, I find that each designer kind of does it in a different way. Um, some kind of have an open call for testers on their websites where you can sign up whenever you like. And then for each pattern, if they need additional testers, they'll reach out to you. Other designers will put out a call, a new call, sort of open call for each pattern. Some kind of have like a roster or two of testers that they may add to over time as people, you know, drop out or can't make a test because of life reasons. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes designers are looking to fill testing spots with someone in a particular size or sizes. I just say keep an eye on folks you like. And yeah, you could reach out to them too. I, I've never done that personally, but I think that, like I said, you know, that some designers are always looking for more testers. So get your name on their list and maybe something will pop up. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. I always enjoy when I get people volunteering in my inbox and put them on my list and give them a try. And it is an interesting process working with a group of testers. I like personally to have a balance between people I've worked with in the past because I know their bodies, first of all, and I know what kind of feedback they're going to give me, what's important to them, and I can get a variety of feedback. Working with the same people over and over again is really helpful. But I also want to have lots of new people in there because it's always bringing fresh perspectives. And it can be difficult because sometimes you try out people, and of course, it's fine if people have emergencies or they can't make the test that never bothers me. But sometimes people just stop replying to my emails or never finish the test and never get back to me. And that can be a bit frustrating. So I'm always trying to build a nice core group of people that I can continue to work with. But I also want to add to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, like you said, it's like sometimes people have emergencies. And, and you know, I think most designers are very understanding of that. You know, if you find out that for whatever, you know, you signed up to test a pattern and something happens and you can't do it. But, you know, I I think that's another element of pattern testing that you should consider before signing up for a pattern test. Like pattern testing is done on a deadline. You've got to do something kind of under pressure and provide feedback, things like that. So, you know, so just think about what you're committing to before you sign up. And and I do that every time I sign up for a pattern test. Like, oh, I really want to test this. 
but do I actually have time? And, you know, it's, it's a good idea to kind of think about it on a case by case basis. Do you really have the time to commit to this? And can you really commit to meeting the deadlines? Yeah. And speaking of the deadlines, I think that can be another benefit of pattern testing, too, is that accountability. And I wonder, does that motivate you when you're signing up for a pattern test is wanting that accountability to actually finish a sewing project? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I you know, I, I sew a lot of non-pattern tests too. And I think if I have a deadline, I usually meet it, but I'm not, I'm not a real deadline setter. So I don't know, I guess maybe having that external deadline is helpful. I hadn't really thought about that before, but (laughs) I know for me personally, like I tend to put things off a lot and the times that I've pattern tested, I always feel really like chuffed after because I'm like, yeah, I finished that project in a week. <laughs> and like, you know, I know that if I sign up for this, I'm going to end up with a garment at the end of this. And that's hopefully wearable, you know. And so it did help. I don't tip pattern test much anymore. But when I did, I remember it was great for sewing motivation, you know, and another advantage, I think that's kind of a fun bonus is just sort of getting in on the ground with those designers that you like kind of being able to get a sneak preview or being able to be part of the, you know, development process of the pattern and, and feeling like you're contributing to that designers, you know, finished product in the end, having a hand in that I think is really fun. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's, honestly, like, that's the most fun part of it you're you know you get a little peek behind the scenes behind the you know the velvet curtain if you will and feel like you're you're kind of contributing to the sewing community and and to the this finished product that um you know you can feel proud of it and that's that's really satisfying I think Yeah, definitely. So I want to talk a little bit about compensation, because there's definitely been some conversation in the sewing community around pattern testing and compensation. And Jillian, one of our past guests from Crafting a Rainbow, actually wrote a whole blog post, and she pulled her Instagram followers as well. And the results of that were really interesting. So I thought we could talk to you a little bit about it. And I'd love to know, first off, just what your experience has been like in terms of being compensated for pattern testing? Yeah, whew, this this is the question I think that, you know, has had me kind of thinking and researching and talking to other sewists and talking to designers over the past few months. I mean, and before that too, but um, especially since, you know, Jillian's blog post came out and and since you guys asked me to, to take part in this podcast, I knew this was going to be a big part of it because, you know, it's, it's a hot topic. It's controversial and, and rightfully so. So, you know, I think from my experience, compensation for pattern testing kind of varies pretty wildly between designers. I'd say that for the most part, designers always provide a copy of the final pattern to all of the testers once it's released. That's like the ground level sort of minimum compensation for pattern testing. But I have noticed that there's sort of a trend over time of designers providing additional compensation and, you know, beyond just a a copy of the final pattern, like covering fabric costs or sort of giving a flat fee. I guess they kind of estimate how much the fabric and notions might cost and give the the testers a a small fee for that. Um, I've had pattern designers provide like a little gift card or sometimes another pattern from their line. So you can kind of go back through other patterns that they've released and choose one of those um, sort of as your compensation for pattern testing. 
you know, sometimes designers will arrange for a special discount at a store like Fabric and Notions um, shop for testers so that the testers can go to that shop and get discounted fabric um, in order, you know, to do their to do their testing. Um, and then I've also had, this is pretty rare, but I've had like um, a designer send fabric specifically for me to use. You know, another thing that this one, this came up recently with a pattern test that I did is, you know, typically these are indie pattern designers. So they send you like a PDF copy of the pattern to be tested and the tester is sort of on their own to print it out for the test. But recently I tested for a designer who ordered copy shop prints of the patterns and had them sent directly to testers, which for me was like fabulous. I was like, oh, this is really helpful because it saved me all that time, you know, taping the PDF together or, or going to the store to get the copy shop print. So for me that, you know, it wasn't compensation necessarily, but it sort of set it up so that the pattern test was a little bit easier for me because it took a step out of the process. Yeah, I really like that tip. And getting a pattern from the collection, I think is also a really great one. I'm going to implement those. <laughs> this is why we have this show, you know? <laughs> This episode is brought to you by the Association of Sewing and Design Professionals, a close-knit community that strives to support others in the field. They provide education and support to existing small businesses, as well as those interested in starting their own sewing business. They offer memberships to retired sewists, new and existing business owners, and to students. Along with an amazing support system, members receive special discounts from trusted vendors across the globe. This is such a cool resource for anyone interested in starting a business in the sewing world. Totally. And you connect with members throughout the US and Canada whose specialties range from alterations and pattern design, education, custom clothing, wedding gowns, to sewing retail. This is the ASDP's 27th year as an organization, and they are hosting their 2020 annual conference titled Grow Your Business on October 8th to 11th in Boise, Idaho. Go to sewingprofessionals.com for more details or follow them on Instagram at ASDP Global. Are you interested in becoming a member? Well, now's the perfect time. New members get $35 off their application by going to sewingprofessionals.com slash join and using the code welcome. That's sewingprofessionals.com slash join code welcome. But what I'm not hearing is actually being paid for your hours and your time put in. Have you ever experienced that? No, I have not. You know, I mean, I guess I've, you know, designers have sent me, like I said, sort of like a small fee, but it's not, you know, it's not sort of based on hours spent sewing the pattern and providing feedback. It's more like, uh, here's, you know, this, this should hopefully help offset the cost of the, of the uh, materials that you use. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a nice, that's a nice gesture as well. I do wonder, I know you can't speak for everybody, but just from your own experience, and obviously you enjoy pattern testing and you come back to it a lot, but what do you as a pattern tester feel like you get out of that experience of pattern testing? If you're not getting paid and you've agreed to not get paid in the process, like why, why do you continue to do it? I guess is my question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we kind of talked about this earlier. Like, I for me, it's it's sort of the intersection between sewing, my hobby, and then you know the kind of things I like to do professionally. So I, it's kind of I just enjoy the process of it, and there's that community element and things like that. 
And I'm going to quote Jillian here from her blog post, but she said, it's a sign of my own privilege to be able to work for free and use my own time and resources to benefit someone else's company. And I, you know, I think in my case, that's totally true. You know, I'm coming from a place where I have the time and money to spend doing the pattern testing. So I'm, I'm not too worried about it, you know, personally, but then at the same time, you know, there's this conversation about is, is, is not paying pattern testers for their time fair? Is it ethical? Um, and I, I think that's a really valid question. And I've like been scratching my head and, and mulling it over and over again for the past few months. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I have the answer, but Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I know it's a, it's I think it's a complex conversation and I think there's room for a lot of different standpoints and and opinions on this and it's such an interesting conversation and I think it'll continue to be an interesting conversation. I do think that for a lot of the small indie pattern designers that are out there, they probably couldn't support paying somebody, you know, like they they couldn't afford to pay a whole pool of pattern testers for their time. So that's where, you know, those other kind of arrangements come in where they try to provide the fabric or just do their best to, you know, make it a really positive and easy experience for their pattern testers and hope that being able to get advanced an advanced copy of the pattern and be part of that, you know, little micro community is enough, you know, in exchange. But I think it's a very interesting, <laughs> very mm. interesting topic, especially given just the number of people that want to be involved in pattern yeah. testing and do volunteer for it, knowing that there is no compensation. I struggle a lot with it, too. And one of the reasons why we wanted to bring it to the show is to have this conversation about it. And so we want to invite our listeners to give us feedback as well. We'll be on Instagram when this episode comes out and we want to talk about it. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to hear what people say. I mean, I know that there's already been a lot of conversations about it and I and I think it's important to keep talking about it and kind of get to a place where people are are comfortable because I, you know, I think there's sort of not arguments, but there's sort of um reasons on both sides, you know, like you said some testers want it, they want a pattern test knowing that it's uncompensated, but and and the pattern designers um, when they're starting out a small company, it can be hard for them to pay for pattern testers um, when their business is sort of in that those fledgling stages. But at the same time, then you it kind of does, you know, make you ask questions like, well, you know, at what point does a company get big enough that they become sort of obligated to pay for testing or or should that testing cost be incorporated into you know the pattern production process from the beginning? I, I don't know, maybe, you know mm-hmm. and and does not paying testers, you know, this question has been brought up, does it sort of per- perpetuate the undervaluing of, of our labor and, and of women's labor specifically, since, you know, it is really a lot of women doing this kind of pattern testing. I mean, not exclusively, obviously, but oh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think also after the patterns released, there's a lot of post pattern launch promotion that seems to happen, especially when designers are working with people like yourself who have blogs. And it's not necessarily like quid pro quo promotion, but it can seem that way to people viewing the pattern tester roundups or seeing blog posts come out. So how do you feel about that after launch phase of the pattern testing process? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very valid concern is that sort of 
you know, uncomfortableness with the gray area between like pattern testing, pattern reviews and, and pattern promotion and sort of what's appropriate there. And, you know, I know for me, I don't do pattern tests if I'm required to provide like a styled photo, you know, or post my tester version on social media or on my blog or something like that. Because for me personally, I think that's where it crosses the line into promotion not that promotion is bad, but just that I think that there should be at least some line between the two of them and it, and it should be a little bit brighter. I also think they're, you know, and I'm, I'm not anybody's lawyer here I'm, and this is not my area of expertise in the law, but I think there may also be legal implications here that we're not even thinking about. You know, I know in the U.S. Um, the Federal Trade Commission has, has come out with some sort of um, rules about disclosing things anytime you have sort of a connection to a brand that you're posting about on social media and you know does that do, do those requirements cover pattern testing is that sort of implicated by it I, I don't know I'm that's something that I'm looking into personally and I think you know others should consider yeah I mean I definitely imagine if you were being compensated monetarily then it probably would apply um so that's such an interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> this is so layered. That's why we have a lawyer on the show. <laughs> I am not your lawyer. I'm not giving you legal advice. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, I thought it would be appropriate to kind of round off this conversation with a quote from the lovely Jillian, because I think she put it really well in her blog post. She said, Fundamentally, I think most of us want to feel appreciated and that our time and feedback was worthwhile. That means we expect to be treated like adults with the right to pass on a round of testing or even miss a deadline on occasion. We want designers to actively listen to our feedback and see changes made to the final pattern. We expect a reasonable deadline and no requirement for advertising or pretty finished photos. I'm happy to say that 90% of my pattern testing experience have met all of those criteria and have been therefore a pleasure. So I, I thought that was a nice, a nice sentiment. And I think probably a lot of people would agree with Jillian on this one. Mm-hmm. And also a good lesson for other designers out there, go check out this blog post and maybe pose the question to your audience and see what your followers and your audience have to say about pattern testing, and how they would like to see you approach it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Jillian's blog post is, is, it's got a lot of great information in it and the, and the feedback that people gave in, in the comments to her, you know, to what she wrote is huge. And I think that, you know, we need to keep continuing to, to talk about these things to make sure, you know, that, that we're, that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, again, we're inviting our listeners to give us feedback this week for sure. So we're going to post on Instagram and we really look forward to hearing everyone's thoughts about pattern testing. We imagine it might be a very interesting conversation and we look forward to it. (laughs) We also want to talk to you, Meg, about just your involvement in the online sewing community with your blog and a sewing challenge that you are running called Sew Twists and Ties. Oh yeah. So I, we just wrapped up. So twists and ties, which was a little sort of um, Instagram sewing challenge that I kind of started on a whim last year. Um, and it ran the month of January in um, 2019 and then January, 2020. And I kind of, I put it together on a whim. I just was looking at my list of things I wanted to sew. And I noticed that there were just a ton of patterns that had like cool twist elements or like a funky tie that, you know, kind of um, was incorporated into the pattern in a, in a neat way. And I was like, 
yeah, well, let's do this. Let's let's put this out there and see if anyone wants to sew these things with me and, you know, share their twist and tie patterns. Yeah, it's been super fun. Like lots of people shared so many beautiful projects and kind of take the challenge in a way that I didn't even expect. Um, so it's it's been really fun and I'm glad I I'm glad I did it. And it was pretty low key pattern challenge. Like there was no grand prize, there was no judging. It was just like sew something up if you have time and if it you know fits with your um you know your two two sew list. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great idea for a challenge and it fits with all of our criteria that we recommend for challenges to make them open and fun and easy for people to participate. And I love hashtags like hashtag so twists and ties because it's a great little miniature window into the sewing world and patterns that might be appropriate for twists and ties. And those kind of hashtags are the most fun to look through, I find. And there's so many like this challenge has really become very successful. I want a tie pattern just so I can participate. (laughs) Well, this is the fun thing about a casual like challenge like this is it never ends too. So like people I mean, I just looked this morning, like people are still adding stuff to the hashtag. It's like, there's so much inspiration there. So, you know, keep sewing your twists and ties, even though we're not, you know, officially running the challenge right now. Um, it's, it's just, it's just pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was such a fun challenge to watch. You're also an editor with The Socialists, and you've also been involved in the Curvy Sewing Collective. So tell us a little bit more about that and the work that you do for those communities. I'm not an editor with either of them at this time, but I was for a little while. And wow, like being part of those those communities that are sort of, you know, socialist and curvy selective focused on on sort of expanding the sewing community and making sure it's really inclusive of all body types and, and you know, other other folks. It's it's just been such a pleasure because, you know, they're they're really great resources to share knowledge about sewing and um, experiences with sewing and uh, I don't know, I just really loved uh, participating in both of those things. And if any listeners out there are interested in being a part of a group like that, how can they go about, I don't know, putting themselves out there or trying to find a niche where they can contribute to a group like one of these? Oh, I know both of the Socialists and the Curvy Sewing Collective are always looking for more contributors, you know, to do pattern reviews or write articles. And the Socialists I, they tend to put out um, calls for contributors regularly. And I think the Curvy Sewing Collective is always open to new contributors. So I say just reach out. Do you have an idea? Do you have a pattern you want to talk about or a sewing technique? Or um, you just want to talk about your sewing experience from your you know, your personal perspective? Reach out to them. It doesn't hurt to kind of bounce ideas off of them. And maybe it'll fit into an upcoming theme that they have, or maybe not, because they always have kind of spots for people to contribute in between themes. So reach out. You could be that person with that theme. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And what about teaching sewing? You seem to be doing some local sewing instruction as well. How's that going? Yeah, I, I, over the past couple of years, I taught a few sewing classes here in Burlington, Vermont, first at a local fabric shop, and then at like a makerspace here locally. It's been really fun. You know, I taught a couple, mostly beginner kind of classes, like how to use and troubleshoot the sewing machine and and then beginner garment sewing, like making pajama pants and stuff like that. And I've also taught a couple intermediate classes, like zipper techniques and sewing with knits and even a York pinafore class, Helen. (laughs) And teaching has been really fun and eye-opening. It's really 
just fulfilling to kind of see someone learning to sew for the first time and kind of get it, you know, and see that look in their eyes and they realize the possibility of what they can do now that they know how to work this this contraption. And that said, my teaching experience has just given me like even more respect for all the teachers out there sewing or otherwise, because, oh, teaching is hard. (laughs) You know, like choosing the curriculum, finding the right balance so that the quick learners aren't bored while you provide additional support to those who, you know, may need it. Just bravo to all the teachers out there. (laughs) Yes, it can be challenging, but it, I find it always goes by so fast, too, when I'm in the moment. It's like the class is over before I know it, and everyone's got their final garment, and then you can just sort of breathe again. <laughs> yeah, totally. Every time I teach a class, at the end, as I'm like sort of cleaning up and everyone's left, I'm like, why is my mouth so dry? Because I've just been like so excited and talking like nonstop, and, you know, and I haven't even paused to like get a drink of water because it's so, I'm just so excited to, you know, share that that knowledge and, and the, you know, my experiences and just generally my enthusiasm. I'm always like, you know, selling it basically. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so it'll change your life. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine that you would be an excellent teacher because of that enthusiasm because you sew so much. I mean, is like 100% of your wardrobe handmade? Um, Not quite 100%. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't do bras and underwear really yet. Like I've dabbled, but I'm not there. Um, I haven't really done like a full on lined, you know, winter coat yet, which obviously is pretty necessary in Vermont. But I'd say the vast majority of my wardrobe is handmade, which I love it. Like for me, it just feels so good every day to kind of put on something and be like, I made this like, dude. Like, check me out. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us about some of your TNT patterns or perhaps a favorite piece that you've ever made? Oh, man. I don't know if I have a favorite piece ever. I have a lot of TNTs. Like, I love the cashmerette patterns. I've made like a bunch of her patterns multiple times. I've got a couple style arcs, like the, um, oh gosh, I'm blinking on the name of it like that waterfall drapey front kind of cardigan jacket I wear that one all the time to work it kind of goes with jeans or it goes with you know work dresses for the office Ooh, I think recently my paper theory Zadie jumpsuit has been a favorite and I need to make another one because the one I made is very like not work appropriate at all because it's made out of kind of a tropical floral print Um, and I want to make like an all black one that I can throw a blazer over to wear to the office So that's definitely been a favorite. Amazing. We're going to do an episode about TNT soon. So we're getting all the good juice. (laughs) (laughs) And what's coming up for you? What are you going to be up to for the rest of 2020 and beyond? (laughs) Oh, man, I don't, I don't have any big plans. I think I'm just going to keep sewing along. I've got a denim jacket in the works for my husband. He specifically requested it. So that's going to be exciting. And I've got some baby clothes to make for friends who are expecting and of course, I've got a couple pattern tests too. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I kind of stepped down from from you know some of my bigger things just so I could um, take the time to kind of just relax into sewing and um, you know just in, really enjoy it. So I'm hoping to kind of slow down a little bit in 2020 and and um, really dig into some fun projects. That's awesome. That seems to be a recurring theme for a lot of people this year is slowing down and just sinking our teeth in some some projects. But we love following you, Meg, and we're so excited that you came on to chat with us. Thank you so much. How about you tell our listeners where they can find you online? 
Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at, at cooking and crafting. And on my blog is cooking and crafting at blogspot.com. Awesome. And thank you guys for having me. This has been a blast. And I'm so honored to talk about this and, and to talk about such a, you know, somewhat controversial topic. And I hope that it, it generates lots of discussion from the sewing community. Oh, we hope so too. Thank you for being game to come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Kinship Handwork for supporting Love to Sew. Kinship Handwork offers retreats and classes for garment makers in the Great Lakes region and online. Starting March 8th, Kinship is launching their three-month make-it-your-own project. The normal price is $30, but Love to Sew listeners can join in for half price going to kinshiphandwork.com slash love to sew. Thanks also to the Association of Sewing and Design Professionals for supporting Love to Sew. They are a close-knit community that provides education and support to small sewing businesses. Along with an amazing support system, members receive special discounts from trusted vendors around the globe. New members can get $35 off their application by going to sewingprofessionals.com join and using the code WELCOME. That's it for today's episode of Love to Sew. You can find me, Caroline, at blackbirdfabrics.com and Helen at helensclosetpatterns.com. We're recording today in sunny Vancouver, Canada, and you can get in touch with us and get links for everything we talked about in this episode at lovetosewpodcast.com. If you are loving the show and you want to help us out, you can support us on Patreon, contribute $5 or more a month, and you'll get access to our bonus episode feed. Contribute $10 or more a month and get a 15% off discount code for both of our shops. You can use that discount code again and again, people, and a bonus mini episode from Melanie. Go to patreon.com slash love to sew for more info. Thanks to our amazing podcast team, Sam Humphrey and Melanie Brister. And thank you all so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Maybe cut out that last part. It was kind of bossy. <laughs> yeah. Change the name of your blog, Meg. <laughs>